Well, we want to update you on our facility and um, kind of what we're thinking. Um, we have, uh, as elders, we have been looking at this for a number of months. I mean, probably uh, well over a year, actually. Uh, just thinking and praying about this as the Lord uh, directs. One of the first hints that we had that we might need to do this is when we thought that we would take a year or two to raise $60,000 to uh, redo our upstairs so that we could have a children's Sunday school. Well, um, the Lord gave us that money in the matter of, a, of days instead of months, and um, we filled it up in the first Sunday. I remember going up there on the first Sunday and said, this is not good, because we... <laughs> Uh, so at that point, we said we've got to start thinking about what we want to do. I want to introduce also, first of all, you don't have to come up. They'll be up here shortly. Our facility vision team, we've been meeting for a number of months, uh, added a few guys to the team. Uh, they bring a lot of uh, expertise in different areas. Uh, first of all, love for the Lord and love for his church. That's the first area. But also just some uh, practical matters. Uh, Grant Oweiler is acting as our, our chairman. Uh, Mark DeVries, Gabe Woodward, Don Hodell, Jim Zervis, uh, Nate Carr, uh, myself, and uh, Pastor Darren as well. And so they'll be up here in just a few minutes to answer any questions that you might have. And as I stated this morning, uh, any positive agreement, you can direct those to me and any difficulties, uh, you can direct those elsewhere. I want to talk for a few minutes about why looking forward. Why do we do this? Because there is a, a school of thought that says, be content where you are. Uh, the church should be able to meet under a palm tree and be fine with that. And there is some truth to that. But we, we have not thought this through lightly. We've thought it through carefully. So here are some factors that have led us to the conclusion prayerfully that we ought to at least look forward. Um, there's something that's called the 80% rule. Now, that's not an empirically tested and tried and true fact, um, but it is something that's been observed over the course of many years in many, many different situations. And in a church situation, the 80% rule says that very often when you reach 80% of your capacity, that suddenly physical growth uh, seems to taper off. There are a lot of disagreements as to why that happens, what the factors are, but it's an undeniable observation that we can see, and we've far exceeded that, and, and so we want to be mindful of that. That's just a fact of life. It's not a spiritual fact. It's just a real fact. We also have the fact of a welcoming facility. When we have a facility that reflects our philosophy of ministry, that reflects our desire to, to welcome people, to welcome guests in particular, for this to be a place where, you know, you're spending hours and hours of your week every week here, and we want it to be a place that, that is nice. And the fact is that uh, in the 70s and 80s, there was a, a movement to say the facility doesn't matter, doesn't make any difference, let's just put up a big, square, ugly warehouse. Well, those churches... They, they blossom for a while, but the problem is, is all those young kids who put up the, the big ugly square warehouse then get married and have children, and their children don't have a place to go, and all of a sudden they realize that a facility matters, that where we meet does have bearing on how we are um, enjoying one another, enjoying the Lord even as we meet together. We also want to look forward to establishing what we might call a beachhead from which to minister for many years to come. Again, it is a totally legitimate uh, philosophy of ministry to say we don't need a building, we'll meet in an elementary school for the rest of uh, the, the life of the church. Tell me a church that's been around 50 years that doesn't have its own building. I can't think of one. 
Um, the fact is, is that facilities in Western culture is what uh, keeps a church going viably. Now, of course, we all know of churches that have beautiful facilities and that spiritually speaking, they're bankrupt and we kind of wish that they would sort of close down. But that doesn't mean that the building is wrong. It just means that their philosophy of ministry is wrong. Another reason we're looking forward is we've uh, done some work to collect testimonies. I've spoken to many, many of you and um, others have as well. And it seems that the Lord is validating what we are doing here. And the evidence of that, very simply, is a phrase that dozens of you have used with me, that my life has changed, that the Word of God is changing people's lives. And so that's, that's important. That's important for us to look forward. We don't want to become a spiritual ingrown toenail where we now say, okay, us four and no more. We're all done. There are other lives that need to be changed. And so it's important for us to leave that uh, possibility open. Another reason to look forward is the current reality that we have in this facility here. I don't know if all of you are aware of this, but this is a facility that Grace Bible Church remodeled, but that we rent. We do not own this facility. And so uh, ultimately, uh, we don't want to pay rent for the rest of the life of the church. We want to uh, let go of that. Uh, Ultimately, the rent we pay would pay for a whole other staff member, maybe two. And so it's a, it's a chunk of change that we put out right now. We, we have restrictions. There are certain things we can't do because we don't own it. We can't decide to knock a wall out and add a wing. We can't do that. So there, there are realities that we have to face about our current situation. I also think it's very healthy for a local church to have a vision. We should always have a vision. First, we had a vision for Bible Training Institute. That's happening. We've had a vision for small groups. Those are happening. And a vision for a facility together is is always healthy for a local church. As a matter of fact, statistically, when a church begins a building uh, drive, when they start trying to raise funds, you know what often happens? More than 80% of the time, the general fund giving goes up also. You know why? Because people are so excited about their home church and, and what the Lord is doing that they, that they increase everything that they're doing. And I've seen this so many times. I have seen, because I've been through a number of building campaigns here, not here, but, but elsewhere in ministry. I have seen people tell me, you know, as soon as we started this, I got a raise at work or this investment I made just, just blew through the roof and I made money. I've heard that so many times. It will not surprise me when we hear that again, that the Lord blesses individuals. And when the timing is such that they say, you know, we did a big presentation and the next day I got a raise, that was real clear what the Lord wanted me to do with some of that money. So I've seen that. It's healthy for us to have a vision together. It's unhealthy when you say, let's close the doors. We're good. Let's just stay where we are. That's not healthy. We also look forward because of um, the the lessons we have from the history of long-lasting church ministries, local church ministries. Now, we hear very often of churches that fail, but there are wonderful churches in America that have been long-lasting. And I want to use the example of 10th Presbyterian Church of Philadelphia. 10th Presbyterian was founded in 1829, and it was obviously the 10th Presbyterian Church in in the city. And they wanted to hold to Reformed doctrine. A number of years later, they built their first really major facility. It was a facility designed by an architect named John MacArthur, which I thought was interesting. And they have been through a number of facilities. They have been through numbers of pastors, but they, they attribute their 
success in their longevity to five pastors that all start, their last names start with B. Uh, these are men like Donald Gray Barnhouse and James Montgomery Boyce. And they, these are men who have been there 30 years plus over the course of nearly 200 years. And they have stayed faithful to sound doctrine. And they have an entire section on their website. You can see it that says part of the reason that they believe that the Lord has blessed them is they took the time to invest in a facility that could be used for many years to come. 200 years of faithfulness. Now, that's phenomenal. So we have a lot of reasons to look forward. I want to talk to you about how we think about facility planning. We don't just say, eh, we don't like our building, let's move on. It's, there's a lot more thought to it than that. First of all, facility planning is ministry-driven. We always go back to Colossians 1.28, that our goal is to proclaim Christ and to present everyone mature in Christ. And so uh, anything that we think about in regards to facility always goes back to this. It also goes back to what we've called here the three E's of biblical ministry, that we are exalting the Savior, we are equipping the saints, and we are evangelizing the sinners. Everything that we do should be filtered through those three criteria, including the looking forward to a building. Can this be a tool to exalt the Savior, to equip the saints, and to evangelize the lost? It's also, we would use the word anticipation. I want to be very clear about this. A facility is not a tool for church growth. It is a tool for discipleship. It's a tool to respond to what we believe God is doing. It's not to make God do something. It's not to trick our community into finding out that there's a new church in town, that sort of thing. It is to simply respond, anticipating what the Lord is doing and trying to do so in a responsible manner. Now, obviously, this entails a great deal of trust. This is another word we think about Specifically, trust in the commitment of leadership. This morning, we talked about the church at Laodicea and how they just absolutely did not do what the Apostle Paul told them to do. That's a church that if the pastoral staff got up and presented a a building idea, they would say, no, I don't think so, because we don't trust you. We don't trust the leadership. The two things you need to be able to trust in leadership is longevity and a commitment to biblical ministry. Uh, For me personally, I don't believe in ministry being stepping stones to other places. The only thing I'm looking forward to from here is somebody wheeling me off the stage and taking me to a nursing home somewhere. That's it. Uh, My commitment is to be here, our elders' commitments. In fact, I've asked all that step into leadership that this is not a temporary thing for you. This is something that you commit your life to. We also think about legacy, and this is really important for us. We don't want to think about ourselves just, only us. We want to think about our children. We want to think about those yet to come to faith in Christ and who will be at Grace Bible Church. So this is not just for us. We want to build a legacy, um, not to make a name for Grace Bible Church, because someday during the Great Tribulation, probably a hailstone is going to crush whatever we do anyway. But we do want to make a legacy for those that need to be taught and need to be discipled. We also want to think about quality, Quality facilities should reflect the value that we place on exaltation, equipping, and evangelism. How much value do we have in exalting the Savior? That's the type of value that we place on a building. Somebody um, asked their pastor once, um, how much should I give? Is there a percentage? And he said, no, there's no percentage. Just give as much as Christ has done for you. That's very simple. Our value and quality in what we do reflects the value that we place on the three E's of ministry. And of course, this involves courage. 
It takes courage to pray and to ask the Lord to do mighty things in our midst. Every church, such as 10th Presbyterian, that's been faithful for many, many decades, at some point there was a group like this one that said, let's have the courage to look ahead and let's have the courage to do something beyond what we think we can do. And then we think about openness also. We need to not be afraid to talk about money. The, the fact of the matter is, is that money drives ministry. Even Jesus' ministry was driven by money that people gave donations so that he could spend his time doing the ministry instead of his time doing carpentry. And so money is a reality. It's just the way um, God has designed ministry to be driven. I want to talk about facility philosophy, and then we'll kind of move into, into more specifics here. We want a facility to be functional. We want it to be useful for our philosophy of ministry. In other words, we take, and the building team has talked about this numbers of times, we take all the things that are important to us and we insert that into a building design or a building plan. And we'll, I'll give you a couple of specifics in a moment. We want to accommodate future growth as the Lord provides. We're going to talk about some numbers in a few minutes that seem outlandish. We're going to talk about hundreds and hundreds of people. But we're trying to anticipate what the Lord will do. And so it's imperative that we do that and not try to be reactive all the time. You remember the 80% rule? The 80% rule, generally speaking, what churches do is they let that go way too long before they start planning. Because this takes years. This is not something we're going to, you know, in three months, we're not going to break ground on a new facility. We've got to start planning now. We want the facility to be welcoming in two ways, practically speaking and visually welcoming. That's important um, for us to to present uh, an image that says that we believe exalting the Savior is important. Um, I heard one guy who's not a believer, but he was talking about, it was in an article, he was talking about a local church's building program and how they were building a really, really cheap little warehouse type place. And as an unbeliever, he made the observation. He said, you know, some of the guys in that church, they go to work in buildings that are super nice because they think what they do is important. And then they're building this church that looks awful. That was actually a poor witness to him because he felt like they must not think much of their worship. They must not think much of their God. Well, finally, in our philosophy, we don't want to be over the top extravagant. There's no reason to do that. But neither do we want to be cheap and low quality. Uh, for example, over-the-top extravagant, we're probably not going to do that. That's not, not what we're going to do, I don't think. Now, for those of you who are uh, fans of scrambled eggs and for uh, the Ben Moore family that provides many of us with eggs, you might like this one, but I don't think that would suit our purposes too well. So we're not going to go over, this, over the top. We're not asking for $100 billion or anything like that. However, this is the place that we choose to walk together toward heaven to worship God together, so neither do we want to do this. We don't want to say, let's raise $1.95 and throw something up that just has a little bit of space. Now, maybe something like this. This middle of the road, it's functional, it's large, it suits our needs. Um, Notice we stuck the little Grace Bible Church in there. We're just going to dream and hope a little bit. Something that's reasonable but is attractive. There is a fact that you cannot get away from. The fact is, is that there will be people looking for a church home, and they come in two categories. Unbelievers whom the Lord is working in their hearts, and he is having them begin to seek a source of the gospel. 
And the other would be believers who, who are either new in town or they have a need to be fed the word. They're not being fed where they are. And so they're going to drive around. They're going to go to two places, our website and our building. You ever been to a, been to a new town and you're maybe on vacation or you've moved and you want to visit a new church and you drive by and it looks like something out of a horror movie? What do you do? You just keep driving. The fact is, is that a facility that is attractive is it, we're shooting ourselves in the foot by not doing that. It would be unwise to not go in that direction. Um, this would be an example of a kind of a campus feel. Um, now, I have to confess, I like this one because, oh, you can't see it. There's a baseball diamond right there. <laughs> kind of a baseball fan. It'd be fun for the youth, of course, all in the name of ministry. <laughs> but the fact is, is that uh, we need a place we need a place that is, has a campus feel to it. We have millions of little kids, and what are we constantly doing? We're trying to keep them from getting run over um, in our parking lot because they don't have any place to run around. That's just reality. This would be kind of a, an example of a middle-of-the-road uh, idea. This is a, a, an auditorium that seats about 1,200. You can't see them all here, but it's, it's nice, it's clean, it's comfortable, but it's not... Um, uh, mausoleum-like. It's not just a, a huge expense. It'd be reasonable to do. Now, I want to show you an example of building according to philosophy of ministry. And this is not a church plan we're considering. It's just I want to show you two examples. Uh, what you see up here is an example of a large classroom space. And what this would be for us in particular, it would be something like this that we believe in Bible Training Institute. And so we design a building, we, des- we look for a building, either one, that can help us to do this in a way that, that is functional. Bible Training Institute is very much a classroom time. It's a time of learning. You've got books, you've got notebooks. You, some of you bring laptops. And so our philosophy of ministry drives what we do in a facility. Um, another example, we believe the number one job of the church is to exalt Jesus Christ. To, to proclaim him, to worship him together. And so back in the same design, you have an example of building according to philosophy of ministry. One of the reasons we went very hard after Pastor Darren here is because he has experience in and a vision for um, building a choir. You say, oh, that's kind of old-fashioned. Yes, it is old-fashioned. It's 3,500 years old. Choirs are God's chosen method to exalt the Savior in in more and more ways. And so you design a building that has, that's right, you design a building that has room for choir members and there's reason to have um, a a rehearsal space as well. And this will keep people really happy. So so I had to throw that in. Sorry, Darren. But you build according to philosophy of ministry. And you don't worry about, um, uh, this is why I'm not a big fan of trying to, f- t- trying to uh, use a cookie cutter method to just build your, your typical little rectangular church because that doesn't fit our philosophy. We want to do the things that are important to us. I want to give you a sample of some prayer requests. We're going to kind of switch gears for, here for a little bit. These are the things we want to see happen. These are things that the elders are praying for, the deacons are praying for. Obviously, at the top, we want to accommodate more worshipers. The fact of the matter is, is that while we enjoy worshiping with three or four people at a time, there is nothing as glorious as worshiping with hundreds of people at a time. It is a glorious thing. We want to have space for children's education. We want to proclaim the gospel. We prayed this morning that the Lord would save 100% of the children who come through our doors. 
And frankly, we got to have a space for them to go. Some of you have rowdy little kids, and we need a place to put them. Let me tell you this. There's a reality that when a new family with some little kids comes to a church for the first time, and they look over, and they see a wonderful playground with a bunch of our kids on it, with well-supervised, with adults there, and the, the adults, they, they come in, their little kids see it, they go home, and what are they doing? They're all talking about this. What do the little kids say? They say, can we please go back? Because they love kids. And very often that will be a factor to get adults back here enough to hear the gospel, to be welcomed. We want to accommodate what we would call a mommy-friendly environment. Right now, our poor mommies have one little space right back here. If you're back there, hello. Um, and, and we've had to take most of that space to, to accommodate office space. We want a mommy-friendly environment. We're praying for that, where, where moms with little tiny babies can be welcomed and have a place to be and still worship. We want to accommodate higher worship, a, a choir space, a baptistry. We want to do the things that, that help us to exalt the Savior to the highest level possible. Uh, we want adult classroom space, larger Sunday school ability, um, Bible training institute, the ability to continue to have conferences here. We want outstanding fellowship space, a, a place to be family together. Right now, we're very blessed in that um, at our conference this past summer and this coming year, we'll have access to a hall that is in the building next door. But if that's not there, then we would have a, a big trouble because we don't have a place to fellowship together as a body. And so that's important. That's a way we draw near to each other, draw near to the Lord. <clears throat> we have several in our church who are praying right now, and I'm praying along with them for a special needs ministry. Special needs ministry is an amazing ministry. We're talking about ministering to those who are, who are physically challenged, who are mentally challenged. If you've ever been involved in a special needs ministry, it is an absolute goldmine of gospel opportunity because not only do you proclaim the gospel to the least of our society, and by the way, those who are mentally challenged, the Holy Spirit has no problem digging right to their heart and saving them, but you also have their family who appreciate so much somebody reaching out to their loved one. You have their caregivers sometimes who have to bring them. If you've ever been a part of a special needs ministry, it takes space takes a lot of space. You get five people in complicated wheelchair apparatus, then you need a large room for that sort of thing. We're praying for event space, for discipleship, for outreach, just some general space that we can use in multiple ways. We're praying for office space for more staff and assistance. We're praying for office space for biblical counseling. You know what? The, the way that I personally have had the privilege of leading more people to the cross of Jesus Christ has always been through counseling. Because you meet people at the point of their need, and for us to be able to reach out to our community that way, it takes space. It takes offices. We're praying for media space to multiply our ministry, to put out CDs, to put out books, to put out whatever we can to multiply what we're doing at Grace Bible Church. And along with that, we're praying for a bookstore to make materials available directly to you. Wouldn't it be great to be able to recommend a book and say, by the way, there's 500 copies in the bookstore right now? So these are just a sample of the things we're praying for, so much that we could do if the Lord will be gracious to allow us to continue on this track. Well, here's the current prayerful direction of the facilities vision team after a lot of discussion. We've spent months evaluating our current facility, and we went through several different options. Option one was to purchase the building we're in currently. 
Option two, which was our, our, an even better idea, was to purchase not only this building, but the Boys and Girls Club next door, which is owned by the same ownership group, and it's uh, the same exact building, in fact. And then along with that, we looked at the option of actually purchasing the piece of land that's right next to us uh, to the north. Is that to the north? Is that the right, right direction? I haven't got my directions in Bakersfield yet. Well, the, the, the buildings here, not even including the land, would cost us at minimum $3 million. And that would only, only allow us to basically double what we're doing now. And once that's done, we've tossed $3 million out the window. And churches are very, very hard to sell. They're very difficult to sell. And then we have to start over. And so after months of really trying to make that work, we feel like that's probably not the direction we'll go unless the Lord uh, certainly uh, leads in a different way. So based on that, having eliminated that as an option, we have come up with a, a three-phase master plan. And again, this all depends on the Lord's sovereignty. The first phase would be to purchase land, and we are um, estimating about seven to ten acres in that, uh, in that vicinity. And there's two variations on this. The uh, first variation would be uh, we're praying for somebody just to donate the land. And so pray for, as Proverbs says, for the wealth of the unrighteous to be transferred to the righteous. Pray for somebody who wants a giant tax write-off to decide to donate land, and they're not sure why. We'll pray for our own Cyrus to, uh, to liberate us, uh, as it were. Another variation, and I've seen churches do this successfully, is that church members will gather together to purchase and hold a piece of land. What that does is that defeats inflation, where uh, the, the church then will simply have the first right to purchase that back. Land is never worth zero, and so that's always a good investment for those involved. That's a, that's a variation that has worked. So phase one is to purchase um, a good chunk of land. Seven to ten acres will allow us ultimately to minister to up to about 2,000 people and, and give us room to grow, room to uh, kind of stretch our legs a little bit. Phase two would be to build a facility, either one or two buildings, either one, and we would look at being capable of serving 600 worshipers simultaneously. And what we're talking about here is a worship space, fellowship space, education space. Now, that would essentially be double what our current facility is here. We have 12,000 square feet to serve uh, 600 worshipers, including children and all of that. We need about 24, 25, 26,000 square feet to do that comfortably in a way that makes sense. So phase one is to get the land. Phase two is to build our first uh, set of facilities on there. Phase three, then, would be to build a worship facility to seat 1,200 or more. And that would double us once again. Now, you might say, boy, that's really, that's really outlandish to think that. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Grace Bible Church is essentially three to four times larger now than it was 18 months ago. So do that two more times and you're in this vicinity already. And so we want to be ready for that. And then what we would do is you go back and you remodel the buildings from phase two so that now they're, they're classroom space and, and you continue to uh, work that up. I know the youth have, have been saying very much that they want a gym, they want the, uh, the fellowship space, and that's wonderful. We'll, we'll look ahead to that. So that's, that's what we're thinking. Let me back up to that just one more time. Purchase land is phase one. Phase two is to get one to two buildings on there capable of serving 600 worshipers. And then phase three would be to build a worship facility to seat 1,200 or more. 
Now, you would say that seems to get harder as you go. Statistically, it actually gets easier as you go. The hardest thing we're doing is right now. The hardest thing we're doing is getting the ball rolling. But once you reach a certain number of worshipers, you you simply put out another plea for a fundraising drive, and it's there. We have seen, uh, I've personally been a part of a multi-million dollar facility being built by putting a styrofoam ice chest in the back and saying, if you want a new building, put some cash in there. And that was it. Millions of dollars coming in because there were enough people uh, to make that happen. Well, there are two other factors to this. First of all, all during this process, we will keep our eyes open for available facilities that we feel like would fit our philosophy of ministry or that we could uh, remodel. You never know. uh, It may be a denominational church that's struggling. It would actually benefit them for us to purchase a facility from them. And so we'll always keep our eyes on that. And then also, the Lord could certainly lead in a new direction, but any direction requires funds. Uh, Mr. Mark DeVries uses a two-word phrase that stuck with me, cash talks. And that's true. That's just the way it is. And so no matter which direction we go, uh, funds are necessary. Well, there's some prevailing wisdom about facility projects. And it's very interesting to me is I've read books on this. I've read articles. I've spoken to consultants. And here's what the prevailing wisdom is. First of all, you got to talk about money without anybody knowing you're talking about money. You don't ever use the word money. Well, we're going to use the word money because it's just, that's what it is. Another factor is that that they say you, you have to use gimmicky fundraising. You have to buy a brick or auction off shaving a deacon's head and things like that. And we may do that one. I don't know. But what that generally says, what that, what that says is that your congregation is filled with idiots who don't know the value of what you're doing. And we're not that way. So basically, we, we understand the value. We understand the value of, of what we're doing. So we don't need to use gimmicks, although we might do it just for fun, but not because you don't understand. Prevailing wisdom also says you generate emotion that engenders support and giving. That we want to create hype and that people will give for that. We're actually working hard to go the opposite direction. We want to be wise. We want to be calm. We want to be steadfast, and we want to see what the Lord will do. And we're going to just simply take your temperature and find out what do you want to do? What do you believe the Lord would have us to do? And then finally, um, prevailing wisdom is avoid at all costs using two words because people don't like these words. The first one is building, And the other one is campaign. Well, Grace Bible Church has never been one to stick our finger in the wind and find out what everyone else wants us to do, so we're going to call this the building campaign, all right? (laughs) However, this is very important for us. It's not just a building. It is a place, and some of you have experienced that here. It is a place where people will be introduced to Jesus Christ. It will be the gateway to heaven. And it's not just a campaign. It's not just about money. And what value do you put on a structure in which God is introduced to the hearts and lives of people? How do you, how do, you do that? So it's not just a building campaign. We're going to call it this more than the building campaign. That we are not just about mortar and bricks. We are about seeing people introduced to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because of this, um, we have a prayerful goal. Hang on to your hats. The Lord owns everything. But for phase one, we need to raise $2 million. Now, that's 
way more than we take in in a year here. It's way more than we take in in numbers of years here. But the Lord owns everything. All we have to do is ask him to sell some of it off and bring it over here to us. We'd like to do this in 36 months. I think that's a reasonable amount of time for us to ask the Lord to work and for us to uh, continue looking forward. And during that phase, then our building team would be able to continue looking at at different options, working on um, uh, various ways for us to raise that money as well. You think that's easy? How about this one? Phase two, we need to raise four and a half million dollars. And that's if we bought it today. That's to buy a 25 or build a 25,000 square foot facility. That's for phase two. That is a reasonable price. That's about a dollar or $175 a foot, which really in today's economy, it's about 200 a foot, but we're, we're including the fact that we would do a lot of labor ourselves. So that's a reasonable cost. Phase three, we'll worry about that when we get to it. We won't worry about that. We'll probably in the $20 billion range for phase three. We don't know. Now, what we want to do is we want to take your temperature. We want to test uh, your resolve. And in a moment, I'm going to ask um, our, our building team guys to come up and help me hand out some packets. And there's three things in this packet. Um, first of all, there's a commitment card. Now, I want to explain what this is. This is not an arm twisting, oh, we're going we're gonna to beg you for money. That's not what this is at all. This is, this is a thermometer. This is a gauge for us to find out where you are, where your heart is. And what we would ask you to do is, as your family prays through this, that you would return this card. Um, There's an envelope that will come with it, with our little logo on it. And you would return this to the January 9th celebration banquet that we're going to have at Hodel's Restaurant. That'll give you a couple of months to pray through this. Think about your, your own budget. You can return it before that if you want. This is our More Than the Building Campaign commitment card. If you turn in cards and we stack them all up and every one of them says, go jump in the lake, or I am committing zero, then we'll just simply call this our less than a building campaign and move on from there. We're not begging for money. You have been, in my mind, the most generous church I've ever seen. Uh, you have been generous to uh, bring Pastor Darren here. You've been generous to do multiple things. We, we built our upstairs so quickly. And so I don't want to prevail upon that. We want to let the Lord work in your heart, not us. But on the card, it has a name. It's a, there's a place for the name of your family or your business. If you own a business, you might consider taking two packets because some people want to do both. And this is, it says here, to assist the facilities vision team in estimating timing and scope of facility expansion. We are prayerfully desiring to commit to give above and beyond our usual faithful giving. And there's some different options um, on here for you. We're we're not having uh, bronze, silver, and gold levels. We're not going to sell a brick or anything like that. This is just whatever you want to do. And there's some other options on here that you you can look at as well. The second thing that's in your packet is a fundraising idea card, a creative fundraising idea. And it's just a blank card that looks like this. And this is an opportunity for you to write some things down. And beginning next week, the bulletin board out in the front by the kitchen is going to be blank. And you can come stick these up there. And this is for all of us to go look at and and get some creative ideas. We may even compile it together. And a way just to kind of keep this in in the forefront of our thoughts and prayers. And then the third thing you'll get in your packet is a prayer reminder card. 
And this is for you to keep um, and to keep maybe in your Bible or stick it on your refrigerator. We have the three E's of ministry. We have a reminder that Christ will build his church, a reminder to be grateful, to take part in kingdom work, a reminder for several other ways to pray. But the last reminder is to live lives honoring to Christ. That's our ultimate goal here. So this packet will have those three items in it. So let me ask the, the facilities vision team to come on up right here in this box right there are those packets. And if you guys could just start handing those out. Again, you can turn in your commitment card never. That's one option. You can turn it in at the banquet on January 9th, or you can put it in the offering beforehand. And as the men are passing those out, I want to just give you some sample ideas. Historically, this is always a really fun time for families. It's a fun time for the church. The first idea, this isn't a sample. This is a really our obligation. First one is to commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Another idea is to, this is often a wonderful time to examine your own stewardship. Uh, Very often, I've heard stories of people making a family decision on what they should give to a, a building campaign, or in our case, a more than a building campaign, and they also evaluate the entirety of their family finances and they actually find ways that they're saving themselves money and, and doing well um, by re-examining their own budget. Another thing that's fun is to do creative things as a family, to have a, a giving jar for uh, above and beyond your systematic giving uh, or something that one church called an instead of night. The family's committed that one time a month, if they were scheduled to go to a movie or scheduled to go out to eat, they did an instead of night. They figured how much it would cost to do that, and they put that much money in their giving jar instead of and made that sacrifice or doing a yard sale, anything, anything like that. Another sample idea is one time larger gifts. Um, some people like to do that. Uh, just because we're turning these in January 9th, that doesn't mean that if you want to uh, give before that, you certainly can do that um, if you want to take advantage of, of before the end of the year. Another idea that we are, as a team are going to pursue as well is to ask others to invest in the ministry. Many of you have connections here in the community, and we're going to um, knock on a few doors and ask them to invest in this ministry because we believe it's worth investing in. And so those are just some sample ideas um, for us for our uh, more than a building campaign. I want to just do some uh, final thoughts, and then we're going to bring our team up here to um, answer any questions you may have. Pray and pray and pray. It doesn't matter whether we build a building. What does matter is that Christ will build his church, and what we want to pray for are people in whom we can invest, people that we can proclaim the gospel to, a church that is not reaching to its community, a church that is not proclaiming the gospel, a church that is not growing is a church that's dying. And we don't want to be guilty of that. We want to be uh, vibrant because the Lord is in our midst. I also want to encourage you to make this a family decision. If you have kids and grandkids, bring them all in together. This is really fun because it teaches even the little ones to give. And you would be amazed, even little ones, if if they get a dollar a week or something, that they want to give a nickel of it back. And maybe you encourage them to give a quarter of it back. Who knows? But make it a family project, a family decision. And then finally, we want to encourage you always think of those yet to come. This is not just for us. This is for those yet to come. 
every church that is faithful to Christ and who has built a facility of some sort, they have new people come, they owe a debt of gratitude to those who had the foresight and the vision in generations previous. So we want to be that generation. We want to have the vision to establish a beachhead in Bakersfield, California, for the gospel, for reformed doctrine, for soteriology that is real and not made up. And we need to do that in a way that is uh, not just thinking of ourselves. So what I'm going to do now is let's invite uh, our team up here. We're going to take a moment and move some things so that we can uh, get going with that, and we'll take some questions from you. Come on up and grab a chair. Well, we, th- we thought there would be some questions from you, and uh, we're not sure what all questions there will be, but uh, as you've been listening to this, you've uh, probably come up with a, a few of them, both in terms of the facility we have here and maybe w- how we've come about to where we're at and what we're looking to do, even why we chose not to just stay here or uh, to invest more in here. Same thing with, uh, with other facilities, how we're going to get there from here. We don't have all the answers, but it'd be great to have questions at least to know what, that we have to think about in this process. And uh, each one of the guys have a specific reason that they're on the team, and it's, it's great to have a lot of wisdom collective from the church. And uh, Mark has a lot of experience with building, which is really helpful to uh, have been through a lot of construction. He's been in the construction industry for 35 years, something like that, 40 years. Okay, been a long time. Good. Good. And Jim has a finance background, if you don't know, from uh, City of Shafter as a controller. Is that what it is? Yeah, finance director. Finance director. So he has a lot of uh, wisdom when it comes to how to deal with money, how to plan for it, and things like that. We, we really appreciate that. Don has a lot of business background and in the community connections and things like that. So great to have uh, Don Hodell a part of it. Gabe, Gabe has a lot of connections, if you haven't figured that out by now. <laughs> and uh, we needed somebody just that we can can have maybe address some of those people in the community. And he's been here a long time. It's great to have a guy like Gabe just as a team to help us get this thing going. Nate is in charge of facilities here right now. And he was the one that made the building upstairs happen, the, uh, the rooms up there that we added on. And he's going to be instrumental in making this thing uh, go forward. And I think he's the one that's driving for the high school, junior high department, having its own gym. Not quite. Okay, we're getting there. And uh, Darren, I think that little section you saw with the choir and stuff, he he has some interest. But we want to make sure that worship is at the forefront of what we're doing, that we always are focused. Are we worshiping? Are we going to be able to do this with what we do? And Steve, I think you've been here for a while, and uh, it's great to have you part of the team, whatever. No, Steve has been great at vision casting and letting us see where we want to go and and how to get there. So each one of these guys, uh, if they don't have the answers, they can help at least find them. If if you ever want to talk to them about the program, we're going to still be meeting, even though it may be a few months, quite a few months until we actually do something. But we're going to all be having our eyes open, both for existing facilities and also for some, some land. So with that, I want to open up with questions. I'm going to take your question. I'm going to repeat it so at least we can hear it on the mic here. And uh, so uh, before you guys jump in, we'll, uh, we'll take the questions. Yes, David. Does 
Excellent question. So are we already thinking what portion of town makes sense for us to have this facility at? Uh, There's quite a few that come from the north. There's some that come from the south. There's some from all over. So have we thought about that? I think the answer is yes. Any one of you men want to answer it with more specifics? Yeah, a couple guys. Southeast. (laughs) And use the mic. You can see we have full agreement already. <laughs> I think people said that uh, in our meeting last week that uh, west of the 99, north or south, doesn't really matter. Again, um, you know, one of the things I'm doing, I have a few neighbors that have a lot of property. One of them has a ton of property on the far east side, not east of Bakersfield, between Bakersfield and Tatchby. Wherever the Lord gives, you have to have wisdom with that. But I think the west side is more desirable uh, as the community is growing. Uh, Certainly, if you buy in town, it's going to be a lot more expensive the closer you get to the hub. And uh, there are some parcels that are just gorgeous parcels right on coffee. I've been praying for one on Brimhall that somebody would just give it to us. About seven acres would be wonderful. But we don't know where that will be. South would be very desirous. The town seems to be moving towards L.A. We've discussed that. So we may end up there. But north would be desirable. It's a little more expensive up that that way. And we do have a lot of people. I know the Joneses alone account for, what, 20% of the church, I think. (laughs) Good question, though. And, And that will still continue both in terms of if we find something that becomes available that's a a prime property or is given to us, we certainly won't negate that. We don't want to go too far west. There's a a couple other churches that are heading way out that direction. We think that may not be the wisest, but certainly if we were given a a large acreage, we would think about it. Good question. Thank you. That's the first one. Yes. Are we working with an agent? Hmm. We are not yet. Uh, we don't think we're at that stage yet. Uh, we do have some connections from, from some of those in the commercial industry already that we've gotten ideas about it and costing and things like that that have looked and given us some thoughts on it. But uh, we're not working with anybody yet. We've chosen. We're kind of going to hold off on doing that for now. Good. Come on. You're going to be thinking lots of them. Ben. Okay, the question is financing. Have we, do we want to raise all the money for financing or possibly have a loan for some of it? When you guys want to take that question? Jim? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, no, we haven't excluded the idea of financing a responsible portion of, of the cost. Um, it, you know, we, we pay an, a monthly rent amount now. Um, if we had, a, I think, a base of support that warranted a... Um, uh, a mortgage on property that would be something we'd consider, but it would need to be responsible. I think some of the numbers we've seen that uh, lenders typically won't lend more than fifty percent on a church project. So, and I'm not even suggesting that we would want to go to the fifty percent, but that's generally what we've uh, heard from the lending market. So, and I'll add to that too that you can reach a point where you can't raise money faster than values go up. 
And so by, by taking a loan out on the balance, now you've locked in the value and you can, you can stay with it. And the fact of the matter is we have two choices. We're either going to pay rent until Christ returns or uh, raise all the money or have a payment. And frankly, uh, whatever we would finance, we'd probably, we would actually end up paying as much or less than what we're paying right now. So um, either way would be good, but, but that's a great answer, Jim. Currently, we're paying about $8,000 a month. So that's close to $100,000 a month is going out in rent right now. And it's hard to watch that get thrown away. Good. More questions? Yes, Ben. Two of them. One would be how much of the actual building, if we were to build a, a new facility, would the congregation be allowed to legally um, help in the construction of? Um, and then the second question, get to 1,200 people, which would be absolutely fantastic. Be a really nice size choir. Um, what, what kind of, I know you had said with the, the uh, with how much we're paying for rent right now, we could afford to have another uh, person on staff. How many people would that take on paid staff for 1,200 person congregations? Okay, so the second question was uh, when we get to, to the 1,200, what do we do at that point and the amount of, of cost for the rent and stuff like that paid staff? And the first question was, how much can the congregation do of the construction? Um, when do you want to answer the construction question? Nate, can you speak to what happened when this was built and how much we did? Yeah, just historically, I know that, you know, we, the congregation pitched in a lot to the building of this. Um, and you reach, you reach a point just from the experience of that, that at some point it, it slows down and it, and it becomes um, kind of a quagmire, you know, while everybody's trying to work and the people are unexperienced. Versus, and you have to balance that with, you know, this is our family and it's our home and you want to pitch in, you want to drive some nails. And, and then some guys have some, um, some great experience where they're an asset you know, I know we had uh, we had my kids come and bang a couple of nails, and they were more of a liability than an asset at the time. But but it was great fun, and we and we loved that, and we think of that with uh, great fondness in the history. But it's a balancing act, at least from a practical standpoint. And I don't know, if Mark, if from a from a legal or yeah, from a legal as owner builders, we can do as much as we want as long as it'll pass the inspections, and we do it to code. So, but like Nate said, it becomes uh, it's quite a aggressive uh, program and it uh, it becomes it's quite a task and I'll, I'll address the the staff issue um, there isn't a magic number um, that typically the American church tends to hire professional ministers and in America the average church of 1200 probably has um, 15 full-time pastors and that's just not the model that we, we go by. We want to train men to do ministry. We want to train um, everyone to be equipped. And so we try to be as efficient as we can um, with that. Um, and so it would just depend on, you know, ultimately what, what parts of ministry uh, the Lord tends to bless. Uh, if, if we do start a special needs ministry and all of a sudden we've got um, a, a huge need uh, to have somebody just do that will respond to the need. Uh, I'm not a believer in going out and, and getting somebody and then telling him to make something happen. We see a need first and then we'll hire to that. But we want to have um, 
a qualified elder board uh, that you know right now Mark and Grant they're they're on their last gasp they work so hard so we're we're working to train men in BTI men who ultimately can be elders men who can be deacons we want a core of deacons um, so uh, it would not surprise me to be able to with a church of of twelve hundred we could have three four full time staff and and actually what would be most helpful is administrative staff that that's the most helpful good question. Yes, Henry. The question is, prayer has been mentioned already, and are we going to just are we going to just only do it from the pulpit, or are we going to have seasons of prayer that we concentrate on this? A couple guys want to take this, Darren. I think it's a great idea. <laughs> I mean, it's, it unites us together in a common vision and, and, and with a common goal and purpose, and, and we see where the Lord is leading, and I think that's, that's a great thing that we can work towards and, and, and put together, absolutely. For those who didn't hear, uh, Henry was encouraging us that it be a priority, and we would agree. And that's one of the reasons you have one of these cards. I mean, those kind of ideas for us to be doing, not just fundraising ideas, any ideas to make this be a center focus, great. Add those to it. I'll add this, too. Anybody who does anything where you're with people, if you're teaching children, if you're leading a small group, if um, if you're doing anything where you're with people, a men's breakfast, every time you have the opportunity... As you pray, say, let's also pray for the more than the building uh, campaign. And let's, let's lift that up. So you, it's, you can take that on as well. Thank you, Henry. I appreciate your heart. Way back in the back. Rudy. The question was, if uh, we find a piece of property, we want to make a decision on it, or any major decision, and it's presented to the building team as, a, uh, as an option and we're split, how do we make those kind of decisions? I think that's an elder-answered question. Uh, those kind of decisions will be left to the elder board. Steve, would you concur to that? Yeah, the, at the this wisdom? moment, this is an advisory team, and the number one reason we picked these guys is because of their character. Um, that, that, that's not going to be an issue. If it comes down to... Um, we can understand the difference between a sin issue and a preference issue. And we can all be honest enough to say, I really, really want it on the north side. Okay, but your house is two blocks away. So that kind of makes it a little bit... <laughs> we'll, we'll be honest about that. But, but ultimately, um, we want to be unified. And so we'll, we'll work at it. We'll work at it and have discussions. Um, my experience in ministry is that oftentimes if one guy on a team like this is dragging his feet, if the rest of us will listen hard, we'll find out that he had good reason for it. So we'll, we, we take every, um, every disagreement uh, together seriously. Good. Yes, Jamie.
So the question is, how do we approach other churches that may become available? Uh, we don't even know if they are or not. Anybody want to answer that one? Don? Yeah. I'll answer. Boy, that can, was easy. I can, yeah. I can tell you later on if you want. But, <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of, one of the things I would thought about, too. But um, uh, God can, can open up doors as time goes on. That could definitely be, you know, a, a possibility. But, um, you know, that you, you talk to realtors about churches. Um, there's not, as Steve said, churches don't sell very well, and they're not a lot in the market. And uh, I've talked to one realtor who's uh, um, in 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 this kind of market, and he said uh, there's just nothing in, around. So it doesn't be a God thing. We don't want you to sit praying imprecatory prayers for the other churches in town, please. <laughs> I'll just add one little thing to that, too. That There's two things that we're very cautious about in looking at existing facilities. The first one is they can be money pits. Um, you, hey, we got a great deal on this. It was only 500000 Then we put $8 million in improvements on it. We may as well have built a new one. Um, more often than not, you end up just gutting a facility and, and starting from scratch. And then the other one uh, also is, and this is more important to me, there is the danger of adapting your ministry to the facility. We never want to do that. We want to adapt our facility to the ministry. And, um, you know, we get to a place, oh, this is wonderful. There's no classroom space, so we'll just cancel Sunday school. No, that's not our philosophy of ministry. So those are the two things we would look out for. Also, we're not looking to merge with any church. We see uh, a lot of danger in that. We still want to remain autonomous because we don't want to have leadership in the issues of other churches. Question, Daryl? Great question. What will happen to the facility we have here? One of you guys want to answer that? You know the answer? This isn't a pop quiz. Go ahead, Jim. It would go back to the landlord, and they would lease it out to another organization, whether that be a church or it end up being gutted and turned into an industrial complex. We have, we have invested over half a million dollars in this building. We put a lot of money, and we're still renting it. So we have a choice as a lessee to take what we have and take it out of here or leave it. And, and they're kind of smiling happy about this. And we have met extensively with the owner of the building, and they basically want to charge us for all the additions because now it's worth more because that's what they could sell it on the open market. So we'd have to pay for it twice. doesn't make sense, but that's the way the lease was written when we bought this quite a bit ago. Rather than spending more money to buy this again, we're saying let's go buy uh, let's build ourselves a facility. And this is a beautiful facility. Um, it's just wonderful. The men of the church, the women of the church helped to build this and did a fantastic job. It's just amazing to have a place like this. We're still paying $9,000 to rent this, and we don't own it. That's, that's a hard pill to swallow, that choice that was made. But nevertheless, God has given it. It's allowed us to grow where we are. We're very thankful for it. We're left with, uh, we can't take, we could tear it down. And I thought, okay, I was sitting here when Steve was talking, thinking of all this molding. We could save all that molding. That's a lot of money right there. <laughs> we could do that. I don't, we'll, we'll come to that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, just to, just to add on to that too, and I think that was part of the imperative when we started meeting. First, we wanted to find out, you know, what, um, what are our options in, ter- in terms of the tenant improvements that we put into it and what were um, the owners going to, to do with those when they put uh, assessed a value on the property. And, um, you know, we're dealing with folks, you know, ultimately who are, are unbelievers and they're in business to, to make money. And I don't begrudge them for that to make a profit on their, their building. But truly we are 
continuing to throw money into a building that we aren't going to get return on. So every dollar we spend on an improvement is is a dollar that's going to the landowners. Um, and so that just kind of really sets the imperative for looking for a place that's our own. And even Ben and I were sitting today setting a budget for new construction and for repairs and maintenance for 2016. And we were very cognizant of that, that every dollar we put into uh, a new office or into a, a new structure is is going to be temporary at best. And uh, um, so, so anyway, so that's part, that's part of the, the, the real impetus to, to looking on to. And, and also, you know, we we don't want to be um, just all about Grace Bible Church. There, it may work out to where, as we go on to another place, that that another like-minded church would think that this was a gold mine for them. And so, I, I think it'd be great to uh, to increase the number of uh, Reformed churches in town that have a foothold. And so, it, it could end up being a gift. Uh, to them, uh, we, as Grant said, we could theoretically. I think the choice we have is either leave it as is or completely gut it. And I think that might be emotionally hard on our church <laughs> to do that, um, unless we just had one guy come do it and we never saw it again. We said goodbye and walked away. But uh, it is temporary. Everything we're doing is temporary. Um, so, good question. Good, good. John. But Grant, we, we don't have to gut it in order to abandon it. That is correct. We do not have to. The question is, we, do we have to restore it back to its original shape? No. Okay. We are fine leaving. I don't... Yeah. And, and, and before we talk too much about abandonment, we're going to be here for a few years, yeah. so let's, uh, yeah. let, let's take care of it. Good. Rick? The lease, uh, it has, uh, I think we've got another 15 years that we could spend on it. I think there's a, we have two more years left on it and two more five-year renewals, something like that, so uh, 12, 15 years left on it. So we have quite a bit of time. We will be outgrowing it based upon the pace that we're at. Yeah, good question. Keep coming. I'm sure there's something in the back of your brain. Bob? A lease increase. Actually, there is a lease, a lease increase that was planned uh, because the owner invested $115,000 into the building for tenant improvements, and that was spaced out for the first five years. We have, I believe, one more year of that, Gabe? One more year of an increase, and then it goes down as if the 115000 was not part of the cost of it. So it's actually going to go down after a year, I believe, to market value in the, in the area. The five-year option, I don't know. Uh, it would be based upon market value for a warehouse of this size, is what uh, the, the lease agreement states. Not a finished building, but a warehouse, empty. Good question. Yes, Patrice. The question is, how are we going to manage the growth in the couple years that we're here? Well, watch this. See, I knew he was going to look right at me. (laughs) All these guys. I'm just thinking, Steve just said, pray, pray, pray. uh, I'll I'll tell you, uh, for me personally, one thing we're going to avoid as long as we can is going to double services. Um, Avoid that. (laughs) And and the reason is, is it's an on-purpose church split. I mean, frankly, I'd rather get all the youth and kids sitting on pillows in the front before we do that. I've been in a church that did that. It's an electric time. Um, 
statistically, when you, when you uh, split your service, if you do it at the right time, you actually can generate some growth. I'm not interested in that. We want to build a facility where we can all be together. And, and the Lord may get us to a point to where um, we have to do that. I'm going to be dragging 10 fingers and toes through the dirt, though, to, to get to that point. Um, beyond that, we're, we're trying to use the Boys and Girls Club every chance we can. Uh, we even use our parking lot when we need to. Um, we'll, we'll use, I mean, if we have to have a you know, men's Bible study in the men's room, we'll do whatever it takes. Um, but we'll, we'll take that as it comes. Uh, but one thing we'll try to avoid is, is splitting. We love our fellowship here together, and, and we just want to be together so, as much as we can. Nate, did you want to address the Boys and Girls Club, like some of the current things that are going on? Yeah, so we have a really uh, great uh, partner in the Boys and Girls Club where um, our relationship has been, has been really good. We've been accommodating to them, and they've, uh, like-minded, uh, been accommodating to us as well. So I uh, met with the director over there, and Grant has a good relationship with them as well. And uh, just being able to use the facility um, on Sundays, perhaps, being have a place, first especially as it gets cold and um, you know, our kids need to burn some energy, you know, and so there's space over there where they can go. It's more kind of empty, just fun space, but we can organize games and stuff with the youth if we want to use it for, I know in the past we've done a breakfast or, um, or some kind of, um, you know, dinner over there. We can use that space for that as well. So, uh, that is an option that will help us kind of spread out when we really need it. Um, so, and just the other piece, I mean, we are definitely busting at the seams with the classroom. So, you know, can the high school group go and, and meet over there and, and open up that space? And so we want to be flexible. We want to have, <laughs> Ann's frowning over there, um, but we want to have grace with each other. You know, obviously it's going to be patience and to look at it. If we're busting at the seams in classrooms and that's something to be excited about, not to begrudge, you know, so, the, um, so I think a lot of that has to do with prayer and and just overall uh, attitude towards the the predicament. So, yeah. And pray for the Sunday school leaders. You know, that if they're in classrooms, they get bigger and bigger. That's work on them, and just pray for grace and patience. Great. James. Uh, any thoughts towards video overflow, either here or the next, next facility? The question was, any thoughts of video overflow at this facility or others? If we, if we have to, it would be temporary. I'm pretty much categorically against that. Um, now, for, uh, for nursing mothers, that sort of thing, or, or for a conference where we will have some overflow, uh, there, is just, there is no substitute for being shepherded by somebody that you can come talk to right then, you know, instead of just come to the screen, where are you? Um, so it, it might be a temporary option, but we would... We would uh, uh, people, I've already been asked, well, what about a, a multi-campus thing? That is so unbiblical, I can't even tell you the number of reasons why. Um, there is, we're to be shepherded by shepherds, not by, not by a CD somebody pops in somewhere. Um, so uh, we, I love the idea for conferences, for things like that, and, and certainly we want to have a mommy-friendly facility, and one of the ways to do that is to, is to have a video feed. So, um, Just a few more questions. Jeremy? Okay, the question is, if somebody gives us a property that is wonderful that they give it to us, but it's a property we don't plan on building on, um, one of you guys want to address that? Gabe? Yeah, I'd say we sell it. (laughs) (laughs) My brother goes to church uh, that they're looking to do the same thing. And a guy gave him much property and just not the location they're looking for. Can we buy it? 
Oh, just kidding. <laughs> so, so that's, yeah, that's what you talk with the owner. You don't want to be, you know, offensive to them but at the same time. I'm sure. Are we against having a business basically out of a land if we get some property to use it as a business thing? Philosophy of ministry, I would say yeah. no. You know, if we can make a profit off something as a church, certainly we don't want to be in debt for it. But if we were given something and able to make a profit for it, there's wisdom. We, we can't. We're not. We can't be in the property management business. In other words, if somebody donated some apartments to us and said, um, "Use the profits for the church," well, that now that puts us that that puts us in in problems. So, uh, most likely, it would be um, a, a sale situation. And when anybody legally, when anybody donates something to a church, uh, they can't. In fact, we can't let them dictate to us what we do with that property. Once they give it, it's with no strings attached. And so they, they might get upset, but once they gave it, you know, that, that was legally our, our choice to, you know, and we probably would wait a couple of days before putting the for sale sign on it. But, uh. Good. A few last questions. Any more? John. Any thoughts of building plans, or are we waiting for actual land so we can see how it's laid out? Do you guys have any thoughts? Where you're at? Come on, I want to hear. Well, Mark. I'd say wait for the land. It's pretty hard to plan. Yeah, there's been obviously talk, um, you know, about the needs of the church and what that campus would entail. But as far as specific layouts, specific plans, it's going to be very dependent upon the parcel. Yeah. Good. We were looking in Leviticus, I think, because. For some of the plans they had. <laughs> and? I was wondering also, um, in the future, when uh, missionaries who have divested themselves of everything here and gone to their mission field, they come home on, uh, on their breaks, we should have a place for them to live. On the campus, I think. Okay, so your question is, if we have a facility, your, your thoughts or a comment more is to have a place for returning missionaries to have a place to come and stay as a furlough. Great. Well, good to know. That, that is a fabulous thing that, that numbers of churches have done, to have a little two- or three-unit apartment. on the And, and uh, traditionally, if a church builds those, they're filled all the time. And it engenders, uh, you know, I mean, how great is it if you're having a conference and you're bringing a guest speaker in to say you can stay in your own little, I mean, that's a perk that, that is pretty neat. So that, I love that. And we do have, we, we have a real heart for global missions here, and we want to increase in that. So that certainly would be a wonderful thing. One last question. Somebody want to be last. <laughs> yes, Samantha. The question is, with the land right next to us to the north here, have we looked into it and what it's worth? You guys know that. Don? I forget it was. You forget the figure. It was over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, the guy cannot sell it. He's under a 10-year 
lease agreement when he bought it. That's ending uh, Jan April of this next year, and it's $6 a square foot. It's uh, 1.7 acres, so it's basically a half million dollars for one and a half acres. Yes, and that's what the, it's going for. A lot, a three-acre lot uh, right across the street sold for $6 a foot. So it's rather expensive. This is a very expensive industrial park here. Okay, so, so that, and, and in order for that parcel to work, you'd obviously you'd need this parcel in the boy, with the Boys and Girls Club on it as well just to have the, enough space to do something with. So, and you're dependent on, on our current landlord that's put a high value on this property. And, and Mark did some homework on that. If we were to have both parcels, what could we do? Mark, you want to give uh, an answer to that? Well, that's where we calculated it, and, and it was going to cost us uh, 5 to $7 million to build out here, and then that would be kind of a facility uh, that was put together not exactly the way we want it, and that's why we decided to look people? for a new place that we could plan from the beginning. And how many people would that house? Uh, that would only house 600 people with all these facilities in the, in the worship center. So if we did go that route, that's, we were wondering the same thing. If we could have, have it be large enough, that would be great. Stay within these three. We just slowly build on. And unfortunately, it's not going to be large enough. If we bought across the street the next parcel, then we're walking across streets, and now we've really got a disjointed campus. So we finally had to abandon that idea, and that's just been recently. So good question. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate uh, your time that you've invested in this. And thank you guys for your questions. I know you're going to have more as they come up. You're going to be hearing more about this as we go further down. Steve, you want to have any closing uh, comments regarding the cards that they have? Yeah, sure. And then we're going to sing a song to close. This is a worship service first, but we needed to give you some information. Um, regarding the cards, um, again, th- this, is not, uh, this is not arm twisting. We're taking your temperature. If, if uh, you come back saying we're, we're, not, um, we're not interested, I don't think that's going to happen, but we do want you to be involved because this is, this is, this is for you first and for the next generation. But we do believe that the Lord is granting favor. He has changed lives here. And we do believe that we have a responsibility to make that available as much as we can and to think big. Uh, we have a really, really big God, and he owns everything. So all this is is a matter of his timing and when he transfers his property from point A to point B. That's it. Uh, with these cards, you can you could turn them in now if you want. If you want to pencil in your million-dollar donation now, that's fine. Um, or you can put it in the offering. But we thought it would be fun to have everybody kind of bring them to the, Nove- to the um, January 9th banquet. And, and that would be a fun time for us. And then we'll kind of go from there. Now, uh, 36 months, $2 million divided by 36. Who's, who's a math person? Jim. T- <laughs> that, that's a lot of money. Um, that's a lot of money. If we add up the cards and we don't have a commitment that's nearly that, that doesn't intimidate us at all. Uh, we just want to see that you want to do something. If every family in the church turns in a card that says, we'll give $5 extra a month, that's a, that's a green light. Because that says that we want to do as much as we can, and we'll let the Lord do the rest. Um, it will not be funded just by our donations here. Uh, the Lord will have to do something else. And that's, that's the fun part, because we know we have to go by faith. And that means, as Abraham had faith, that every time a day went by, he knew that he was one day closer to his son being born. 
And so that's how we look at it, every day that goes by. So the, the cards are just a way for us to uh, gauge where you are, where your hearts are, give you a couple months to pray through it and think about it. And then we'll have an uh, enjoyable time together, a celebration banquet where uh, we celebrate what the Lord is doing. Um, so uh, with that, is there, do you have any final comments? That's great. Okay, uh, we're going to sing a song, and, uh, and then Darren will close us out.